Good morning, everyone. We are so glad that you're here to worship with us. And good morning to those who are online as well. We're so glad that you're with us. If you're watching online, write something in the comments so that we know that you are with us this morning. A lot of announcements. A lot of announcements this morning. There is no Thursday worship uh, this Thursday. Instead, at 6 p.m., there's going to be an acapella choir concert, and they're from Gadsden State. It's going to be a lot of fun. And that's at 6 o'clock this Thursday. Don't want to miss that. Um, next Sunday, if you come to the celebration service at 9, you will be in the sanctuary all alone. So don't do that. Next week is a combined service at 11 o'clock, and it's for our Christmas cantata, and that's going to be awesome. And next Sunday night, this is my favorite announcement. Are you excited about this? I am so excited. Okay, so next Sunday night, the children have a musical, A Child of Love. Molly, you have something to do with this play, don't you? Uh, I kind of wrote it. Awesome, awesome. It's going to be exciting. Um, and there's going to be a party in the gym afterwards, a happy birthday party for Jesus. That's going to be awesome. So you don't want to miss next Sunday at 5 o'clock. It's going to be great. Uh, also want to let you know that there is an angel tree over here, and you can grab an angel. Please um, rip off the bottom, which is the list of items you want to get, but leave the angel there and write your name on the back of the angel so that we know who grabbed that. And lastly, our Christmas Eve service. We have two options this year, 4 o'clock and 6 o'clock. And in between um, the two services is a live nativity outside with animals, with animals. Isn't that awesome? That awesome? Uh, and now I am going to ask our Advent readers to come up and light our Advent candle this morning. Scriptures from uh, Malachi 3, 1 through 4. See, I am sending my messenger to prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Indeed, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. And he will purify the descendants of Levi find them like gold and silver, until they present offerings to the Lord in righteousness. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old and in former years. For many of us, the call to head home is one of joy and love. We can't wait to reconnect with family, with history and tradition, and a wonderful time of freedom and loving support. We can't wait to go home. There are those fear going home, however, and there are times when going home brings back memories that are not so good and not so healing. We are reminded of when we didn't fit in, we didn't measure up, we weren't loved like we needed to be loved. Home can be a difficult place for some. The prophet Malachi tells us that even when we are in the hottest of fires, there is a presence who can make us better, who can refine and purify. John the Baptist tells us that road home is always under construction, mountains level and valleys built down to make smooth the path that leads us to true our true destination, where we can live in peace and unity with all. We light these candles, the candle of hope and the candle of peace, as a sign of our assurance that though the road is hard, we believe it is worth the journey and it is time to go home. so glad y'all are with us. Would you stand and sing with us?
Blessing to hear all of y'all out there. You sound wonderful up here. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead and be seated, uh, except for our kids, because Miss Catherine's going to bring you up around the Christmas tree. It's time to hang one of our Christmas today. So would you come on up here? Yeah. Come on up here by the tree. Yeah. tree and this tree is called our Christmon tree. Can y'all say that word? Christmon. And if you notice all the ornaments on our tree, can you tell me what they all the ornaments have in common? Maybe their color, their shape, their size. Yeah, pearl things, sure. They're all white and gold. They're made of gold and pearls. Jack, you are correct. And if you look very closely, we have some crosses and we have crowns. Last week we talked about fish. We talked about the Jesus fish right here. We hung it right here. This is a very special tree that we put up every year for the first Sunday in Advent. This week, we're going to look at this tree, this ornament, this Christmas ornament. Can you tell me what this is? Quinn, do you know what this is? Thank you, Catherine. All of our kids look handsome and beautiful today. We do uh, also want to serve our youngest kids in our community. And every year, twice a year, there's a group of people in our church that make baby quilts. And these baby quilts are for a United Way program called um, Children First, I think. Is it, did I get that right? Anyway. Success by six. Thank you, Sheila. So I, what would I do without Sheila? Success by six. But I do know this. Uh, these baby quilts are given to young mothers who are having uh, a, a child for the first time. Some of these are, are economically underprivileged families. And, you know, maybe they don't have a quilt that's being passed down from, from generation to generation to them. And maybe they could just use a little something beautiful for their child to roll around on and play on and just know that somebody in this community loves them and cares for them. So these quilts are delivered to these families. And Pastor Andy, I'm going to ask you to come up here and you get on one side and I'll get on the other. And I'm going to ask you all to join me as we pray for these baby quilts and for the families that will receive them. God, how thankful we are that people care enough to put their time and their talents and their energy into making something that's just a gift of love. Not asking for anything in return, just asking that this be received. We pray for the families that will receive these blankets, for the babies that will roll around and play and snuggle up in them. And we pray that they will know that somebody loves them and somebody cares for them. All this we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Pastor Andy. Now, we have been encouraging you to, to fill out your estimate of giving cards, your generosity cards, and uh, all through the month of November, and I told you that we would announce the totals on today. And so what we have is, drum roll, please. Okay, yes, drum roll. 
we, we have, yeah, keep going, keep it going. And that's the message, keep it going. We have 58 families who have uh, given their generosity cards back so far. Uh, in 2021, we had a total of 72 families that did that. So we've got a little bit of ways to go, but we've got a little bit left in this year. And we need to finish strong, and we need to have a really, really good finish to 2021 in terms of generosity. Now, the, the reason behind the generosity is what's important. The reason behind the generosity is it, it, all the ministries we do, all of the uh, things that we do in our community, all of the discipleship that we do and, and trying to get people to follow Jesus. So, so give, not just because it's the end of the year and you can get your tax credit. Give because you love this church and you want it to keep going on for the next 175 years, okay? Let's say a blessing over our offering. Lord, thank you for, for everyone who is going to give in person today, for everyone that's going to give online, for the people, Lord, that have uh, maybe procrastinated a little bit about their generosity cards. Uh, give them a little nudge today and let them know that, that when they have a giving heart, it's a blessing not only to the community around and to the people in need, but it's a blessing to them too. So God, I pray your blessings over all the tithes, the offerings, all the gifts of love. In Jesus' name, amen.
Wasn't that a beautiful song? I just love it. I absolutely love it. I also want to invite you to come. Uh, we have two opportunities for you to join in our Advent Bible study. We have uh, an 11 o'clock morning Bible study in the gathering room upstairs, and we have a 6 o'clock p.m. study in the gathering room. And there's, um, there's a video component to it. It's a really fun study. And it is only four weeks long, so you're not like committing for a whole year or something. So you can also worship with us by live stream and study with us by live stream. And I encourage you to do that because we're, we're talking about uh, the heart that grew three sizes. And today, the scripture is Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. If you want to join along as we read this. In the time of King Herod... After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child that is born king of the Jews? For we have observed his star rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all of Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least in the, in the, among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I also can go and pay him homage. Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, last week I started off the story of the Grinch by trying to take you back to 1957. I'm still waiting for my 1957 Corvette, by the way. Uh, you've got a few more days to find it. They may not be easy to find. Um, today I'm going to take you back to 1945. It was a blazing hot summer, a blazing hot summer day, and air conditioner was, uh, was not, uh, not a thing it, for most people back then. Um, there were two guys named Mel Torme and Bob Wells that were trying to get inspired to write a song. They were, it, it was just too hot to think. Have you ever been in that situation where it's just, it's just too hot to think? I'm sweating. So Bob Wells got a little spiral notebook and he decided if I can think cool thoughts, then maybe I can be cool. So he just started writing happy wintertime thoughts. And he jotted down, he didn't even think he was writing a song. He just jotted down uh, just some things like chestnuts roasting on an open fire, Jack Frost nipping at your nose, um, tiny tots um, and folks dressed up like Eskimos. He just jotted those things down. And Mel Torme came by later and he saw the notebook lying on top of the piano and he sat down and started plinking around on the piano. And 40 minutes later, y'all, the Christmas song was written. The next year, Nat King Cole recorded it, and the rest, as they say, is history. One of the most beloved Christmas songs ever sung was started because somebody was just trying to get in a cool Christmas mindset. Well, let me ask you this. Have you ever had to work to get into the Christmas mindset? Maybe it was last year, and maybe you had some things that were canceled, and, and things just didn't seem the same, and, and you found yourself thinking, I don't know, I need to do something to get myself out of this grinchy mindset and maybe get myself into the Christmas spirit. So Mel Torme and Bob Wells did the Christmas song, and that seemed to work for them. Let's think about the Christmas song Y'all have heard the Christmas song. I don't think it would be Christmas unless I heard Nat King Cole sing the Christmas song. If you haven't heard it, just go shopping. You'll hear it you'll, two or three times by the time you get out of the store. 
Um, all right, think about the components in the Christmas song. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire, Jack Frost nipping at your nose, yuletide carols being sung by a choir, folks dress up like Eskimos. There's turkey, there's mistletoe, there's tiny tots that are looking for Santa Claus to come with toys and goodies on his sleigh and flying reindeer. Are you with me? Are you, with, are you singing that song in your head yet? Yeah, me too. So, um, as I said, it wouldn't be Christmas unless I heard that song a few times. But honestly, all of those components that I mentioned, all of those things that make the Christmas song the Christmas song, does any of that have anything to do with the real story of Christmas? With Joseph and Mary going to Bethlehem with Jesus being born and wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger with the Magi coming with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh does any of that have anything to do? No, it has absolutely nothing to do with the Christmas story let's put it another way someone could sneak in and they could steal away all of the stuff mentioned in the Christmas song and you would still have Christmas, wouldn't you? And that's kind of the whole punchline of Dr. Seuss's book. Now, don't get me wrong. I love all of the things mentioned in the Christmas song. I love the Christmas song. All, with the exception of chestnuts roasted over an open fire, I enjoy all of them. I'm a big fan. I feel like I would like chestnuts roasted over an open fire. Anybody ever had roasted chestnuts like that? Any, oh, y'all are just like me. Maybe we all should try that. Maybe we should do that out by the live nativity scene, if, unless it breaks fire code. So we'll just blame it on the youth if it does. So, uh, but all the other things, I'm a huge fan. I love it. But Christmas would be Christmas without any of that. In 2020, we had some things missing from our Christmas festivities, didn't we? There were many uh, things got, that got canceled. Uh, Christmas parties... Um, Christmas programs sometimes got canceled or they got altered. Family get-togethers. I know for my family, we, we had to just alter some of our... We couldn't have our whole group together. We, we were afraid, uh, especially my college-age kids were afraid of, of bringing COVID into the house with Nana, you know. And with Tammy's mom and dad, uh, Tammy's dad having health problems and different things like that, uh, we did our Christmas gift opening thing, but we did it by Skype. You know, we were all sitting there in front of the Christmas tree, and, you know, it's better than nothing, but, but it just wasn't the same, you know? It just wasn't the same. Some things were different. Some things were missing, but Christmas was still Christmas. Here's what I think. Sometimes we mistake the trappings of Christmas for the real Christmas. And so what I have for you today is three simple prayers for Advent season. The first prayer is this. I pray that this year we will not mistake the trappings of Christmas for Christmas itself. The story, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the Grinch takes all the trappings of Christmas and he uses them against the Who's. He makes the red Santa suit, the white Santa suit, he has the reindeer, he has his little dog Max be the reindeer, and he has the sleigh. He sneaks into town at night. He comes down the chimney, and he uses all of that against them because he wants to take away their holiday. He wants to make it, make it worse and not better. He is motivated not by love and goodwill. He's motivated by hate. One thing that, that we emphasized in the Bible study Wednesday about the Grinch is the Grinch wasn't just having a bad day. He didn't just receive the wrong size present underneath the tree and was grumpy. He hated Christmas and he hated the Who's. Maybe that was why his heart had shrunk down two sizes. And that brings me to my second prayer. I pray that we won't let hate and fear shrink our hearts down. Now, the, the Grinch is, a, of course, a fictional character, um, but there are some real characters 
in the Christmas story that really are villains too. And one of them is King Herod. In the scripture we read today from Matthew chapter 2, when we're talking about Herod, the first thing we need to do is say which Herod because there are different Herods in the Bible. And the one mentioned in Matthew 2, though, is Herod the Great. Herod the Great was the only one that was ever given the title king. Herod the Great was, in 40 B.C., appointed by the Roman Senate to be, get this, king of the Jews. Now, he had, before he could take office, so to speak, he had to eliminate um, the one who was ruling in Judah at the time, Antigonus II. And so... Herod and Mark Antony, does that sound familiar? Uh, Herod and Mark Antony uh, captured and executed Antigonus II because that's the way Herod rolled. He eliminated his rivals. And in 37 BC, Herod started ruling as king of the Jews. And here's something you need to know about Herod. Herod was not only hungry for power and and um, but he was also very, very cruel. He, he had a heart that was filled with hate and a heart that was filled with fear. And we talked about on Wednesday about when hate seeps into a person's heart, it distorts everything that they see, sort of like a funhouse mirror or a, a Snapchat filter or something. It distorts everything that they see. And so everything that Herod saw, he saw as a threat to his power and he wanted to get rid of. Herod actually killed everyone that he even thought would want to threaten his power. He became paranoid. He killed, he including his, he eliminated his, he killed his wife, he killed three of his sons. So nobody was going to steal his power. Nobody was going to steal his position as king of the Jews. And then one day a servant came in and said, Your Majesty, I imagine he had that kind of an accent, you know, a southerner trying to fake British accent. Your Majesty, you have some magi from the east who wish an audience with you and curious as to what this could be, Herod said, show them in. And in came the Magi, and here's what they said. Where is the child who is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we have come to pay homage to him. And Herod's first thought was, king of the Jews? Hold on just a second, I'm king of the Jews. But he kept his cool. He kept his cool. In verse 3, it said that he was frightened he was frightened because if this was so this was the promised messiah and if this was the promised messiah everything was going to change and if there was anything that he hated worse than somebody trying to get his power was change he didn't want anything to change he wanted to hold on to it so Herod had an idea if this new king was being sought after by these magi maybe he could find the child first so he called together all of the chief priests and the scribes and he said look this is the Jewish king supposedly and so you guys know the scriptures where is the Jewish king supposed to be born and they said in Bethlehem David's city where David, David's hometown where David was anointed king Bethlehem and Herod said hmm Bethlehem you say that's only about five miles down the road and then like the Grinch Herod had a wonderful awful idea he called the Magi back in he said go diligently and search for this child and when you find him come back and tell me so that I also may go and pay homage to him. And can't you just see a grinchy smile on Herod's face as he's saying that? Of course, God warned the Magi in a dream not to go back to Herod. So they went back by another road. And then when Herod found out that he had been tricked, he was furious. And he ordered all the children in and around Bethlehem, two years old and under, to be 
slaughtered. How in the world could anybody do something so horrible? When fear and hate have shrunk a person's heart, you know, they're capable of just about anything. Just about anything. The worst things imaginable. And here's what I want to say to you and to you who are worshiping by live stream. Brothers and sisters, in case you haven't noticed, fear and hate have become the meat and potatoes of our society. It has bled over into every area of our life from, from politics to religion to sports to, I don't know, differences between countries, differences between races. And it shrinks our hearts. So back to my prayer, let's not let fear and hate shrink our hearts this year. Romans chapter 12, verses 14 and 15, we read these words there. Pursue peace with everyone and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it, and listen to this, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. See to it that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble and through it many become defiled. Here's how, here's how we make sure our hearts are not shrunk by fear and hate. We see to it that we pursue peace with everyone. We see to it. Today, we lit the candle of peace, right? So how do we make sure that we don't let ourselves become poisoned by hate and by fear? We see to it that we pursue peace. And we see to it that when we see those seeds of hate and fear springing up in our heart, that we root them out so that our hearts don't become bitter and so that we don't become defiled and defile those around us by bitter hearts. See to it. See to it that the same grace that we have received from God, we offer to all. See to it that no one is excluded from the grace of God. That's how we keep our hearts from being shrunk by fear and hate. And my third prayer for this Advent season is that in order to grow our hearts, we choose wisely. And the book, The Heart That Grew Three Sizes by my Matt Rawl, what we're reading this Advent season, it mentions a movie that I like a lot here at Confession, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Any Indiana Jones fans around? Good. Okay. So... Toward the end of the movie, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, um, Indiana Jones is in this cave, right? And there's hundreds of different chalices. And some of them are gold encrusted with jewels, and some of them are big, small, all different sizes. One of them is supposed to be the Holy Grail. And uh, it is supposed to be the cup that Jesus used during the Last Supper. And legend has it that drinking from the Holy Grail would give healing, kind of like a fountain of youth. And that any army that possessed the Holy Grail could never be defeated. And so Indiana Jones's father, who's played by Sean Connery, and who I also was a big fan of Sean Connery, he has been mortally wounded. And so Indiana has the, the big job of choosing wisely because he has to choose the correct cup and the ancient Templar knight who's standing there guarding all of the chalices tells him you must choose wisely and Indiana Jones looks at all of the different cups beautiful jewel encrusted cups each one fancier than the next and he chooses the simple wooden cup because he said this is the cup of a carpenter and the Templar Knight says, you have chosen wisely. But here's something that Matt Rawl writes in the book that I never really thought about before. He says, and I agree, that the cup that he chose wasn't the real point. He thinks that any of the cups that Indiana Jones had chosen would have been successful regardless because it was the motivation behind it. 
Indiana Jones didn't choose the cup for himself. He didn't choose it in order to, to have world domination and power. He chose it because he loved his father and he wanted to save his father's life. The other characters in the story, the Nazis and whatever, they wanted the cup of Christ for world domination and power and that choice destroyed them. They melted all down. Now you want to go watch that movie again, don't you? So back to our gospel lesson from Matthew 2. The Magi and Herod are both seeking Christ. But the Magi were seeking Christ in order to worship him and pay homage to him. And Herod was seeking Christ so that he could continue his world domination and eliminate his, his rival and maintain his power and dominance. The Magi chose wisely. They were wise men, after all. Herod chose unwisely. So however you end up celebrating Christmas this year, and sometimes things are a little bit up in the air, whether or not you get together with all of your family, whether or not you have a lot of gifts around the tree or a few, whether or not we have cold weather and get to build a fire or whether it's hot and muggy, whether or not you get to have turkey and dressing or whatever else that you have as a tradition for Christmas dinner, choose to honor and pay homage to Christ because Christmas is about his birth. Now, how we do that may change from year to year. Everybody's circumstances change from year to year. The kids grow up. The parents get older. We get older. Well, not me, but you. No. All, we all get older. But we're starting with a good foundation this year. We're starting by lighting the candle of hope. And we're starting by lighting the candle of peace and Next week, we will light the pink candle, the candle of joy, and we will enjoy the music, the, the festive music from our Christmas cantata. I think we're stepping in the right direction. I think we're starting to choose wisely. Let's pray. Lord, we have three prayers this Advent season. We pray that we will not fall into the trap of making the trappings of Christmas the real thing. We pray that we will not let hate and fear shrink our hearts, Lord. And we also pray that we may choose wisely this year to seek you out of love and desire to worship so that our hearts can grow and so that they may be full of peace and hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand together as we worship?
Now hear this benediction from Romans chapter 15, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.